Hey there out there. You are deeply tuned in right now, man, to the Real People Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. Thank you for tuning in. Happy New Year, everybody. Woo! All right. 2021. Let's go. Feels a lot like 2020, doesn't it? It's it's like 2020, except we're all like okay with it now, right? It doesn't like we're not wishing we could be doing 2019 stuff. We get it. 2021. We get it. No, we're not going to do anything on Friday night. No, I'm not making any travel plans. I haven't seen a concert in over a year. Yes, I'm still scared to go outside. But guess what? We're okay with it. We're all focusing on our Etsy shops now and our goals. Anyway, I have a great guest today, though, for the comeback episode. New season, new stuff, new resolutions. Liam Gordes is my guest today. Liam Gordes. Liam is an Australian creative director and co-host of the Shit Dates podcast, a podcast that I was a guest on like a month ago. The episode was called Tech Support. If you want to check it out, I think it was pretty funny. But yeah, Liam says that 2021 is the year of shit dates, and I agree with him. So we talked about uh, his podcasting, his journey to becoming a media producer, how he co-founded Good Gravy Media, and what he hopes to produce in the future. It was a great conversation. I'm thankful that Liam came on. And this is a good one for anybody that's interested in in producing any kind of media, Um, especially if you're wondering how to use film to express yourself in multiple ways besides just making movies. I I think you'll take away a lot from this episode. And I really enjoyed talking to Liam. A 30-second deep thought this week is about Taylor Swift. And look, I've been anxious to get this off my chest and do this on the podcast, so I'm glad this is going to be the first rant of the new year. This is the most important topic I could I could think to even discuss right now. It's the only thing I want to talk about. Look, I like the new Taylor Swift albums. Evermore, Folklore, they're good albums. That's what I think. And I never thought I'd be fighting with everybody about this all the time. I never thought I'd turn into somebody, a true Swifty, defending Taylor Swift all the time, arguing with friends and family members, people on social media, in my DMs, battling with them about whether I should be listening to Taylor Swift or not. Let me, let me give you a little bit of background as to what I'm talking about, a little bit of context. You know, I have a friend named Tim whose opinion on music I respect an incredible amount. And in like... May or June, I forget, he said I should listen to the new Taylor Swift album. And and, and like lots of other folks like me, um, white half-Jewish men in their, in their early 30s, I never listened to Taylor Swift before. I thought of her as like a pop singer, kind of like not like for little girls, kind of how I thought of Taylor Swift, honestly. And, but, you know, I listened to it because Tim said, look, it's really good <laughs> and you should give it a shot. It was produced by the guitar player in The National, which is a band that I love, and she works with Bon Iver and lots of other big names, and, and you should check it out. It, it's a whole new sound. Checked it out. Fell in love with the album. Loved Folklore. I think it's great. Got it on vinyl. Listened to it all summer long. Just thought it was amazing. Then Evermore came out. I thought that one was even better. It's just great music. You know, one of my favorite bands is this band, The Gaslight Anthem. If, if, if you took some of their slow songs, scrapped out the vocals, and put in Taylor Swift, it, it would be the same. I love the folk approach. I love what she's doing. And then I watched that thing on Disney+, Plus, the, the Pond Sessions. I mean, incredible. She's so, ta- so talented. It's unbelievable. And everybody from, like, Paul McCartney to, I think, like, Jack White are complimenting her on her songwriting skills and, and the sheer talent that pours out of her. I say all that because... When I, I noticed when I started to tell people, and I didn't think anything of it, I would just text some of my friends and be like, dude, check out the new Taylor Swift. It's actually pretty good. The immediate reaction I got from people that are anti-Taylor Swift was like, dude, don't tell me, no, don't ever tell me to listen to that. She doesn't write her own songs. She doesn't, yeah, right. Yeah, right. She writes her own songs. Give me a break. 
Torf's just a loser, and you're a bum for even, like, you know, I mean, just, like, animosity. You know what I mean? Like, people would, I had a friend who said that her music was breathy and, like, conceited and, like, you know, words that don't even apply to music. They were being used to describe this hatred. So I'm like, suddenly I'm battling. I, I write back, like, you're ignorant. Like, this is ignorance. I, when I didn't listen to Taylor Swift, I didn't say, I will never listen to Taylor Swift because I made an assumption that she doesn't write her own music and it's what I want to believe, but it's not true. You know, I just listened to it, and, and I was open-minded about it, and I listened to it, and it was great. But now I've become a Swifty. You know, I just fight with everybody all the time. People challenge me. You know, when I, I post an Instagram story a few weeks back with a picture of, um, you know, folklore on vinyl. And I said, this is for my haters because I knew it was going to irritate people. And I got like 15 DMs of people that were furious. Like, oh, that album sucks. Taylor Swift's a hack. And I wrote back to them like, yo, I'm a Swifty, all right? And this is no joke. This album's great. You're ignorant. Um, you know, you know, read a book. I don't know what to tell you. It's great music. And if anybody disagrees, I, I challenge you to listen to both albums cover to cover. I'm not sure you've listened to them. Release the notion that she doesn't write her own music because it's not based in reality. It's not true. There's a lot of evidence, incredible amount of evidence to, to prove otherwise. And on top of that, go watch that Disney Plus thing, the Pond Sessions thing. I can't even believe I'm saying this as I'm saying it right now. I don't watch Disney Plus, you know, enough kids. I don't care about Disney stuff, obviously. But I mean, but like, I just, she's so talented. You guys are wrong. It pours out of her incredible note for note. She's just great. I really had to get that off my chest. We're good now. We're all good, everybody. Just stop challenging me on the Taylor Swift thing, all right? All right, let's do 2021 then. All right, let's bring on Liam. <laughs> let's do this. My guest today on the Real People Podcast is Liam Gordis. Liam is an Australian creative director and co-host of the Shit Dates Podcast. He is also the co-founder of Good Gravy Media. You can check him out on goodgravy.media. We had a great conversation. We talked about the creative process, getting into film, um, using film as a, as a vehicle for creativity and to express yourself and where you go from there. I'd like to thank Liam for coming on the Real People podcast as the first guest in 2021. I enjoy talking to him. And also, he's Australian, so his voice is super soothing, at least to me. Without further ado, let's bring on Liam Gordis. Uh, yeah, there's this. I don't know if you heard. There's this. There's this. Like, uh, I think it's only happening here. It's like this virus. Virus. Oh, <laughs> oh we had that for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we still have it, and uh, so sometimes people still want to, you know, you got respect people's space, and so we still do it virtually like this, even though we're down the no, street. We actually just had a. We last cup last week or so we had a spike. Oh. Because a state, another state, had some cases and. They sent someone, and people came back to our state, to Victoria, where I'm from in Australia, and we had a spike. And today we had we had one case, so uh. <laughs> that's a spike for us. We went 59 days without a case, and that's a spike. So you went from zero cases to one case as a spike. Oh, well, I think the most we had was 10 in one day. Oh, okay, and then we had one new case today, so it's, it's already we're already flattening the curve. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all before dinner time. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. How how yeah. how do you go from uh, why is that the case? Like you have ten cases, then you go to zero in the same afternoon. What's the secret? Oh no, we had ten cases three days ago. Oh, I see. And then today we had one case. Oh, I see. So it's just like they they jumped on it straight away and they closed all the borders and they're like no and they made everyone. There was like thirty two thousand 
tests just yesterday yeah. done in in Victoria, which is a wow. big big number. And like they know their contact tracing is amazing. You seem uh, pretty mellow. Like you seem like things are all right by you. I like where you are. You seem relaxed. It seems like it's like a yeah. kind of like a nice. I don't know what the temperature is, but I'm sensing it's like nice and mild, like spring sort of weather. And uh, I mean, it's it's we're in the middle of summer right now. Okay, right? all right. But yesterday it was just raining. So in Melbourne, where I am, yeah, we it's we have all seasons in one day. Okay, here. <laughs> so it's like you could you could go out and it's the sunniest day, but you gotta take a jacket and an umbrella because it's gonna rain that day. Yeah, that's the just the way it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how San Francisco is. I I lived there for a few years out here. That's like the Melbourne of the United States. Exactly. San Fran, when I went, it just felt like Melbourne just had more hills. Yeah. Like, Melbourne is pretty flat. I don't know if you can see at the window. You can see the city oh. from here, and it's just, like, flat. Yeah. Right? And uh, whereas, yeah, it's it's basically San Francisco, but yeah, zero hills. And are are you from Melbourne originally? No, you're from Victoria. I'm Vic- well, Victor- Melbourne's in Victoria. Right, I knew that. Um, I was just testing your like, knowledge of geography. It's the capital of Victoria. Yeah. Oh, okay, thanks. Um, Melbourne is the capital of Victoria. Yeah. So there's seven states and territories in Australia. Jeez. Yeah, you want a lesson? Yeah. That's so not, that's not a, I'm not really impressed. Like, we have, you know, 50. <laughs> exactly, right? There's, there's Victoria, yeah. New South Wales. Okay. New South Wales is where Sydney is. Uh-huh. Everyone knows Sydney. Uh, then you've got Queensland, which is Brisbane. Everyone, you know, if you heard of Brisbane? Yeah. Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane. As Brisbane, as I call then it. Then there's, yep, there's <laughs> South Australia, which is... Adelaide. Uh-huh. There's Northern Territory, which is where Ayers Rock is, like and uh, Uluru, mm-hmm. um, Darwin, and then you got Western Australia, which is Perth. You've probably heard about Perth. I've heard of it. Yeah, that's where the reef, like, the reef yeah. is, the Great Coral Reef, or was. The Great Barrier Reef Great Barrier is on. Reef. Great Barrier Reef is on the other side, on the <sighs> eastern side where we are. Never mind then. Yeah, okay. New South Wales, Queensland. Yeah. Um, and then Tasmania, which is like the little island off of Australia that everyone forgets to put on maps. Yeah. And then you've got, um, what am I missed? The ACT, which is Australian Capital Territory, which is where is which is Canberra, which is where the government is. The government having their own island that you refer to as the ACT is pretty ominous. <laughs> well, it's just like a small spot. <laughs> it's not like an <laughs> offshore island that they can't, no one can get to. No, it's with, it's inland. It's landlocked. Yeah. It's landlocked. So it's in the middle of, of New South Wales. Um, but no, I grew up in Victoria and a little, uh, the what they call the greatest city of Bendigo. It's like <laughs> a... It's it's a small town vibe, uh-huh. but it's it's quite big, right? For what it is, it's like the central Victoria. Are you googling right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm following. I'm following on a map though. Right. Yeah. So Bendigo is where I grew up. Is like a a gold mining town. Uh huh. So like when we had the big gold mining rush in Australia. It started in Bendigo. That's where they found the first gold. And there's like huge nuggets of gold and stuff. And that's there was a gold rush in Australia. So a lot of settlers came over huh. to Australia because of the gold rush. Wow. And that happened. That started in Bendigo. Where you're from? Where I'm from. That's and are you from? You are you from a gold mining family? <laughs> no. Uh, My family's not actually from Bendigo. <laughs> My, they're all. Okay. They came after the gold rush. The rest of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, all gone yeah. already by the yeah. time you got. <laughs> actually don't know i've never really asked what my how my because my my family is like german scottish okay 
and but I don't actually know when they came over. I'm like real Aussie, like like you couldn't be more white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't be more Australian <laughs> than me. Yeah, I mean, if you don't even know when your family came to Australia, you can't even fathom yeah. the time before that. You're, that's how Australian you mm. are. So you're grow. So when you were a kid and you're growing up, like now you're a creative director and you run this company, Good Gravy, GoodGravy.media, which mm-hmm. I think I went through your portfolio before and I found it quite impressive. We'll get to some of that, but like with all the guests. I'm always interested in, you know, your process and how you approach the work that you do. But growing up in where you grew up in the center of the uh, what was the Australian gold rush as just a young boy <laughs> with, with, with deep roots in Australia. Um, it seems like you're, a, at least to me, a, a, a man of many hats, like you can do a lot of things. Mm. Um, and I, I guess my question is two pronged. Like growing up, what did you like what? What? How did you define yourself? What did you want to do? And then how do you define yourself today? Like what do you do? <laughs> oh wow. Um. Well, I actually this is quite funny because no, I did not prepare for this in the slightest. Yeah. But a couple of days ago, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and we were. I was showing her my the videos I used to make when I was in high school. Yeah. And it was the very. There was zero budget, obviously, because we were in high school. There were just crappy, like, handy cam footage that we would just come up with an idea on a weekend and then we'd be filming it. We'd film it and then we'd edit it and we'd just put it on YouTube. Wow. And at the time, when I was in high school and stuff, I thought I wanted to be an actor. Right. So I was in all these videos and then I was also making the videos and I was also editing the videos and, and whatnot. Nice. Wearing many hats yes. in that regard. And then I realized that I was a terrible actor and I realized, and I thought, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think Jules said the same thing, Julianne. He was on the, yeah. Like I'm better behind the camera than I am in front of the camera. Oh, really? You seem like you'd be and good in I front of the camera. Again. I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not terrible, yeah. but um, there are better people. <laughs> um, so then I, uh, I decided, I got my friends to act in it and I was like directing it and stuff. So... And it was, it, was, it was quite funny because my friend of mine, was talk, I was talking to her about it. She was like, this is amazing because when she was 15, 16, 17, she was sneaking into bars and, you know, getting drunk or whatever. And on the, on the weekends, whereas I was hanging out with my friends making stupid videos on YouTube. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's, yeah, that's where it started for me. And that's, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's why I decided I wanted to study film. So back then I, I wanted to make... I wanted to make movies and TV and, and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to do that? I'll go to uni and do that. And th- I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah. But then these days I do nothing like that anymore. <laughs> I don't do those stupid videos anymore. And watching them back, I was actually like, wow, I really miss just coming up with a stupid concept and and just filming it. Yeah. And all these videos are now private, by the way. Oh, too bad. I bet they're, <laughs> hilarious. I bet they're hilarious. They Look, they are. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, <laughs> that was a softball question. I, I had that written down, planned, ready to go. I bet they're really interesting. They're not too... Actually, they're actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, I feel like... I don't know if you've seen... Um, there's a show that's just come out on Netflix called Auntie Donna. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. It's an Australian sketch group. Okay. There's three guys my age and they're just doing, they just have this, they're pretty well known in Australia and they're like a comedy sketch group. Huh. And they're very cra- weird and, and whatever. 
Um, but they've had this massive following that was, they started in like university, like just before university, they started making these just videos and now they've been going for 12, 15 years mm. and they're huge. And now they have their own Netflix, Netflix show, which is produced by Ed Helms oh. and has all the, it's like, it's filmed in LA with all these amazing American comedians, but it's full of Australian references and it is <laughs> so good. I think it might be right up your alley, to be honest. Oh, um, check it out. Their office is, I can see it from my, they're on the street over here. Their office is just here. Wow. Anyway, you are a big fan. I was, yeah, yeah. That's why I moved here. No. Um, they are watching the videos back that I had made. I'm like, wow, this is just low budget Auntie Donna. Like their show is incredible and like got, got a lot of money behind it. It's like, yeah. maybe I could have done that. Maybe I could have done that. But like that was back when no one really knew what the internet was. Yeah. No one really knew what that was going to become. Um, so then I decided to try and make some money. Uh, and sell out and make videos and stuff for people. But you seem make, like you still do yeah, that. It, it, it's like it seems like you 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 still get to impart your own creativity and yourself into those videos. Like, uh, well, that's important to us. Yeah, yeah. Like that's honestly for myself and I have a business partner, Dylan. Yeah. Um. He he and I we talk about all the time as a as a company what we want to do, and it's we yes we want to make videos but it's more important to us to be creatively fulfilled mm-hmm. than it is to be just making videos for money right like we would happily lose a bit of money to make like a music video for somebody so that we can do something creatively creative and and put out and and something fun and, and something that we enjoy doing um then make a music video that's just stock standard and we make some money on yeah but it just doesn't we so there's a video a good example of this is a video we made, um, uh, a commercial we made for a company called Holy Moly. And have you heard what like a Rube Goldberg machine is? Uh, no. So it's like those domino machines where like one a ball rolls and hits something. And oh, hits something I saw this. Over. Yeah, yeah, continue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just a concept for a company that we were working with. We, we were doing a bunch of videos for them. And I said, I've got this other idea. You're a mini golf bar. Yeah. Let's make this video and we said it'll cost this much and they said okay and then we were like oh shit so we had never really <laughs> done anything like this before yeah so we got a friend of ours who was an engineer who came and worked for a slab of beers nice. and we we went to the studio to the, to the uh, venue and we're like we looked at it and we're like okay, what can we do and then the next day we came in we started at 8 a.m and we built this machine out of nothing yeah. and then we recorded the video and and did it all in one day and with zero preparation. Really? But now it's like this the most their most viewed commercial that they ever did and it's got them heaps of money for it. And we just we just it's for us it was just a something we wanted to do, something we, we weren't didn't know how to do. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's for us for us yeah, you go. No, that's amazing because uh I actually just watched this video earlier today. And I was like, man, mm-hmm. the planning and the thought that must have had to go into this. I mean, it's, it's so – and if anybody listening that wants to check it out, I, I think I saw it on goodgravy.media on your website. It's on there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it um, yeah. I mean, It's really impressive. I had thought that that system was already set up, but it wasn't. You're saying that you just saw this space and this is what you came up we with. We built that. Wow. Yeah, we built that. <laughs> we built that in a day and filmed that in a day. Wow. And that was the video that the, – the version we used because it's all one continuous shot. The video that we use was the very first time that the ball had gotten to the end. <laughs> like it, 
it it kept failing, kept failing, kept failing. There's a whole. We're going to do actually going to release a behind the scenes, a proper behind the scenes video. But the one you saw has probably got the the in the corner our yeah. reaction to it actually working. Right. Yeah. Which was also <laughs> so, great just to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you see how excited we are by that, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, it, it was the first time we got through, but yeah, like it would be, it would stop break, break and break. It was like that was like nine o'clock at night, and it finally gotten <laughs> through. And our friend Ash, who was the one who hits the ball at the end into the hole, yeah, she had been practicing all day to make that shot, <laughs> and it was the first time it got to her. It was the first time the whole time it had gotten to her, and, you- and she nailed it. And we're just like, we that's the one we have to use. We can't not use that video. Oh, that's such like a magical yeah. moment, though. That's like the all the whole universe coming together just for that one split shot. That must be so gratifying, and like oh, it was so gratifying. You, you you know you say like oh you know I was this creative person in high school and I made these silly like sketch comedy videos and then I kind of sold out. Like I feel the same way too, but I feel like you didn't though because you're like because it doesn't seem like you had a strict definition for what you were gonna do anyway. You just knew that you wanted to make some stuff, and I feel like it's so cool how you're you're if you Google you, which I did to prepare for this interview. You're all over the place in all different mediums across the web. And I, I like that because I just relate Excuse to that. Excuse me while I Google myself. Yeah, Google yourself. <laughs> I, I, sometimes you have to, man. I Googled myself a few times in my life just to make sure um, what was out there. And it's like, I feel like me and you have that kind of in common. I felt When I first met you, I felt like you're like an, like an Australian version of me. So it's like, uh, I, feel, oh, I, wow. I feel like appearing into Thanks. my... No, nah, but I mean, but, but in the sense where like, I don't know, when I was growing up, I did the same thing. I would like, I had a... Um, a VHS recorder, you know that? Like, uh, uh, yeah, like the ones like you know someone's parents would have to film like Christmas morning or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I my dad gave me his when in like the nineties, and I I made all kinds of sketches and all kinds of videos that I still have on VHS. And uh, but I had no sense of what I wanted to do. I just I I just looked around and was like, it would be cool to do to do anything like to do anything. I have this camera. Eventually, I got a guitar. I was like, well, I have this guitar. I can play sounds with it you know i just wanted something to come out so I, I try i mean that's why i say you're not a sellout you're still taking um i think a pretty you're taking whatever's inside of you and applying it to all to all these different areas you just googled yourself you saw for yourself yeah <laughs> that's the thing right is i've always been somebody who has to be doing something yeah like i can't like I, i've always got a project i may not finish the project yeah. but i've always got like a project going on like i <laughs> I've been in bands, I've been in like comedy groups, I've been in like a whole bunch of different kind of stuff. And obviously I'm a lot of that stuff didn't go anywhere. Right. And now I've got a company. But yeah, I'm that I'm that kind of person who has just gotta be gotta have a project going. Yeah. So much of it would never see the light of day. Yeah. Like probably ninety percent of it. But it's yeah, it's just something that it's it's I've got to be creating something, I think, is it. Yeah. And lockdown, like not to talk about COVID, but nah, like let's talk about the, it. The year, the year of the year of the lockdown, um, <laughs> really put that into into perspective for me, yeah. at least. And also, Dylan, my business partner, like we've had conversations now. Where we're like talking about, do we want to be doing this? What do we want to be doing? Do we want to be running a business, or do we want to be working with somebody else where we don't have to think about that business stuff, where we can be still doing what we're doing, but without the added pressure of everything else that's going on. Yeah. And we're, and we're like, okay, how do we do that? And what do we, what does that mean? And it really, it really gave me a reason. It really, the year gave me the opportunity to take stock in what I was doing mm-hmm. and why I was doing it. And it also gave me time to look into other creative outlets. So I was doing like a lot of drawing and like, and like 
digital art and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, to really think about, okay, maybe is what I'm doing in my career what I want to be doing? Ultimately, yes. Yeah. I still love doing it, but it's like, is the way I'm doing it the way I want to do it? Yeah. And that's what 2021, I think, is going to be for me at least um, to figure that out. And that, yeah. that's a great reset. I think, I mean, I felt the same exact way because I think what happened was like in 2020 when you took away all the things that I, I had all these things I, and it's going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm, I'm not. Like, I had all these things on my mind all the time and do that up to 2019. Like, just I would get out of bed and be like, every, I have to, like, I have to find a way to, like, get a bigger apartment. And then I have to, mm-hmm. but actually, I like this apartment. Actually, maybe I should call my mom. Maybe, like, that was, like, what was going on in my head. And then 2020, it just quieted everything down. And it just made me feel like I did when I was a kid looking at things with like a, my dad's camera and being like, what can I just make? I don't know. What should I do? I can make this. I have this yeah. stupid idea. I'll just do this. Like, oh, I, there's my guitar. I started playing music all the time again. You know, we started writing stand-up all the time. And it's how I spend my time was the question. It's like some of that time I might spend working. Mm. Um, I found sure. that it was really liberating. And even like doing this podcast, you know, I'm doing most of them remote. I feel like I'm genuinely talking to people. My, my stand-up partner, I, the guy I write jokes with, I met him through a mutual connection through zoom in like February or March. And I never met him until like a couple weeks ago in person, you know, this is, I had exactly the same experience. (laughs) I, a friend of mine who was in in the same industry as me, he invited me to play poker with him over zoom with a bunch of other guys in, in the industry Yeah, who I'd never met. And so we played basically every week. I spent 20 bucks a week. I would spend more to go to a cinema if I was able to go to a cinema, right? Yeah. But I'm spending 20 bucks. I'm hanging out with these guys that I've never met who are in the industry who are incredibly, doing incredibly well and whatnot on Zoom for four hours playing poker, just talking shit. Yeah. To the point where now I'm really good friends with them all. I've made all these friends through it. I met them in person. We had to play the poker game in person a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And it was amazing. And it was this weird experience where... I've made all these friends in in the industry. I've now gotten work through them and I've gotten all this kind of stuff through. And that wouldn't have happened if if, we, if COVID didn't happen. Like I wouldn't have been spending time with people, these like-minded people that I wouldn't have the opportunity or the time to do it. Yeah. So there's definitely silver linings. There are. As shit as it is, there's silver is. linings to what it is. I mean, I think I think totally. we just have the, we have the permission to be happy now, I think is probably the, the way to put it. Like, you can, yeah, like you were saying, life doesn't have to be just revolve around work. Yeah, Work can fit into that. It is an important thing. The world needs everyone to work and there's the economy and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But, but life doesn't have to be about that. And it's, it's definitely, for me at least, and my friends and everything has made that a more obvious and, and it's given us an opportunity to you know, consider what we want to do and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. Yeah. Same. Wow. I mean, it, I feel deep. it's deep and it's it's true. I mean, like even this podcast was the podcast you're on right now was born out of quarantine. You know what I mean? Out of. Yeah. And it's led me to people like you. I, we, I consistently have this conversation with like it seems like like minded people um, just because yeah. and everybody's in agreement. Like this was great for people who, you know, I mean, great in the sense where we were able to finally kind of open up again like we did when we were kids. Like and. So, all right, you started out... It's kind of amazing, sorry. It's kind of amazing that we have been in the same room together before all this, <laughs> and we didn't even talk. I know. And now... Now, 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 we're, yeah, now we're, we're, this, we're on our second heavy conversation. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah our, That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. I I mean, this is no... I, I vaguely remember meeting you, sort of. 
Uh, I remember you because you were up there, you know, yeah. marrying two people. <laughs> like, it was like yeah, that's right. And officiating a wedding. That's right. And I just found out about it uh, a few minutes before. I walked their dog down the aisle. Like that's. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned about that the day before as well. So there you go. Anyway, that, hey, performing under pressure, man. That's that's the that's the best way. That's my favorite type of performance. So you said you started out as a theater, like you. So before all this happened, you had your own company <laughs> and you had your your shit dates podcast and. Um, you you were a theater I kid. Haven't talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a theater kid. Uh, yeah. You were a theater. We and like so many people that I've talked to, whether they became musicians, or they became, you know, video producers, or they became, um, podcast hosts, they or writers. They've all started off as th- <laughs> all, all of the above. They've all started off as theater kids. <laughs> I was a theater kid too. You know, I was uh, since the as young as I was remember I could remember the only thing I wanted to do was be an actor when I was a little kid. Um, there's there's a certain something about theater that helps in life yeah. i think like before i did theater i was a really shy kid i couldn't really talk to i couldn't go up to a someone at a shop and ask them for something i can go to order food or anything yeah i would always have to be like a little kid who didn't like doing that kind of thing i was like oh mom can you do it or get someone else to do it mm-hmm. and then i did theater and it just gave me so much more confidence i'm like i'm now a loud you know yeah. extrovert as opposed to what I was <laughs> as a kid, it's like total opposites, yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think theater for me was invaluable, and I and I say this to my niece, my well, my sister and her daughter, and stuff. It's like theater is was for me such an important tool in my development as a person. Mm-hmm. I think I was never good at it, mm-hmm. but it definitely gave me the confidence to be able to, you know talk to people, meet people, and also, yeah, and just be creative and just, you know, improv and all that kind of thing. It's like, I loved doing it. Yeah. And I do miss it. I go see friends of mine in in plays and musicals and stuff, and I see they're going, oh, I really can't sing, but I'd love to be up on stage yeah. <laughs> right now, I, you know, I, I, just performing. I relate to this so much. I mean, like, um, same thing, man. So I guess we, we mm. have to just carry that with us because it's, it's, it's ingrained in our development. It's not going to go away. Maybe Maybe... Maybe the theater thing permeates everything we do now. Absolutely. I, I, I can walk into a room and just talk to anybody now. Yeah. I, I, I'm somebody who can just... I make friends very quickly, I think. I I'm think we're, we're best friends already. Have, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and just have a conversation with anyone in whatever situation. If I go to a party and I don't know anybody, by the end of that party, I'm just you know, you know, doing shots of someone. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But like, it's because I just... I've had girlfriends who have hated that. Yeah. The fact that I can go to a party that of their friends and by the end of it, I'm hanging out with all these people and, you know, having fun time. And they, they sort of feel like the outer <laughs> person, even though it's all their friends. Right. It's like, and that sounds a little bit up myself in regards of, of the type of person I am, but like, no, it's I get it. 100% true. Like it's, it's, and I, I give a lot of credit to theater for being that. Yeah for me um all right so you're you're kind of a theater kid you can't really sing but you're associated with uh with theater and then it comes time to decide what you're going to do with your life and you have to go to, to college or university uh mm-hmm. so how, how was that decision made for you exactly like what did you what did you decide at the age of whatever 17 or whenever you got um, <laughs> in in Australia, they have a thing called when I was when I was in teenager called Enter Score. Okay, which is now called an ATAR. 
Um, I think it changed like a couple of years after me. But basically, I don't know how it works in in the US, mm-hmm. but in terms of the grades that you get, you get like a score out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. That's like us. And yep, and based on what how well you do in those classes and what your classes are, you get scored in different ways. So I did a lot of like artistic things. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they get graded down because they're because the government hates <laughs> art. Um, When's Australia going to put someone on the moon, damn it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Um, and I can draw him on the moon. Um, give me a green Beautiful. screen. I'll yeah. Stanley Kubrick this shit. Um, That's what we did. But, Secrets out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I my score wasn't great. And yeah. there was a, a school I wanted to go to because I wasn't a very academic kid. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a school, a, a university I wanted to go to to do film and TV, which I didn't get into. And then so my second choice was like a lower score, mm-hmm. which ended up being the best thing for me in the end. So I was, I, I, because I, I was at this point, I was making stupid skits with my friends and making videos. I'm like, okay, I want to go make, I want to go do things. Yeah. I, if anybody ever asked me, <laughs> Should I go to film school? <laughs> I immediately say no. Okay. <laughs> because I think I could have, instead of sp- spending the amount of money that I spent <laughs> on school, yeah. I could have gone and done a unpaid or very low paid internship somewhere. Sure. And gotten this experience on set and then worked to the point where I am now a lot quicker than I did where I spent three years in this course <laughs> that ultimately never got me anything. Like, nice. it was, the way I put it is that it was, <laughs> I'm a little bit <laughs> jaded about this. No, no, but, no, you sound like you had um, a wonderful college experience. <laughs> I can't remember how Julianne, because I went to the same, so Julianne, who's been on this show, who was the one you're talking about getting married. Yeah. She, we did the same course. And that's how I met her through that. And I don't know how, I, rem- I don't remember how she explained it, but her experience into it. But for me, it was the longest, most expensive networking event of my entire life. <laughs> and it was just, I have gotten more jobs from the people that I met in that class than the piece of paper has ever gotten me. No one's ever gone, wait a second, did you study film? And then I had to show them my certificate and they've gone, okay, you get the job. Because yeah. And the way this industry works is that it's based on the work that you've done, right? It's based on on your showreel. It's based on who you are as a person yeah. and whether or not someone thinks they can work with you. Sure. And and I pride myself and we pride our company on being like the best feedback we get is that you guys are just so easy to work with. You're lovely guys. And for us, it's a collaboration. It's all about you know working with the clients and get the best possible outcome. Um, that's our pitch. Um, and <laughs> Sign me up. And... So, yeah, the piece of paper never got me a job. And I think if I had the experience on set as just an unpaid intern, I would have been probably saved money at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I may not have been... I definitely wouldn't have done the stuff that I've done I was doing at university. Like there's... We can talk about this if you want as well. Room and Board, which is like the web series that we made. Yeah. Um, while in college. But, while in college, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but... I just feel like if I wanted to get to where I am now quicker, it would have been an easy way of doing it. But anyway. you could argue that 
that you need to be taught the rules so you can understand how to break them or bend them. Um, but the thing is, right, I taught myself that stuff before I went to university. <laughs> like, I was making videos. No, like, yeah. legitimately, like, like there, there, and the thing about the world now yeah. that probably wasn't as true back then is that if you're going to get into film or TV or, like, just video videography in general... You don't need a university because there is some 12-year-old somewhere doing a YouTube tutorial on how to do exactly what you need to learn. Yeah. And that 12-year-old is better than me. Like, <laughs> I've... <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Follow- well, okay. I, I really am following I'm going to say something, right? Yeah. Like, I, I've, a client has said to me, oh, can we do this? And I, or I pitch them an idea. Like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And they're like, that's great, cool. And then I'll spend the next two hours watching a 13-year-old do it so I can teach myself how to do that one specific thing that the client doesn't know I've done that. Yeah. Like, there is... I spend more time watching 15-year-olds teach me how to use After Effects than I do, Yeah. you know, like... So I think that's actually, like, maybe a function of the world we're living in. Like, we're a bit resentful towards university in general... Because the information's out there. If you if you want, you can just go get it. You know, and you don't need to pay for this yeah. like thing. Um, but how did you? Uh, ra- it's like, yeah, the the piece of paper is the thing. The right. only difference is the piece of paper that gets you. So, like, I guess, really, it's just the industries that you're working in. Yeah. Whether or not you need it or not, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, exactly. And in increasingly more and more, it's it's less valuable. It's just a matter of like, do you? It's like a skills-oriented approach to your life. Like, what can you do? Can you do the job? Can you do the yes. job? Do people Good. like you? Yeah. Do you have a face that people want to see every day? Then, I'll give Obviously this kid a chance. Yeah. I like his smile. You know, it's like, uh, it happens. And when you're, But when you're in school and you're having this kind of jaded experience, like, was Room and Board, the web show that you did, which is currently on Facebook, uh, was that the first thing that you did to break, break the mold? Like, to try to set yourself apart? Like you said, you were trying to bring new ideas to the medium. Was that your first foray into that, or is there something I'm overlooking? No. So basically, like I was still making stuff. Yeah. Like I was making those videos, those YouTube videos at the time during the first couple of years of uni. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I moved to the big city to study, yeah, <laughs> moved to Melbourne. <laughs> I ended up living in a house with six girls. It was just me and six girls. Nice. And. I had never really lived with women before that. Right. Because I it was like me and my brother and my dad and my mum. So my mum, but like it was, yeah, it was a house of boys. Right. Yeah. And so I decided, okay, what am I going to do? I mean, it was great to make friends. Yeah. Living with six girls was great. I sure. met a lot of male friends because of it. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to come to your house. What I did was I, I started making my own, a bunch of videos and I called it, I live with six girls. And it was just a whole, it was just <laughs> videos, a bunch of videos about me living with six girls. Nice. One of those videos has 2.6 million views. No way. Which is ridiculous. I think it's because people thought it was like porn. But anyway. <laughs> Um, I digress. It wasn't. It's it wasn't a even great close. Title. Let's move on. Yeah. Two, is it still on yeah, YouTube? So, 2.6 million views? No, that's one of those. I have uh, uh, made it private. Uh, when I, we finally released Room and Board, I made all those videos private. I will unprivate them at some point. You should. They're so funny. Um, um, anyway. Yeah. I was doing all that stuff and then we're like, why don't we just, me and my friends at university, like, why don't, why can't we just make something? And at the, at the time at Deakin, the, the university I went to, there was a thing called Deakin TV, which is a like a university group mm-hmm. um, club. 
and they had some money from the university and they said, okay, here's $1,000 for you guys to make something, to make a pilot for something. Wow. So my friend Jules and I, uh, who Julianne, who we talk about a lot in this podcast <laughs> apparently, um, we, she became our producer and my brother, my older brother, because he was also, that's the thing about my brother and I is that we were very similar. Like he and I made vid- a whole bunch of stupid videos and stuff in high school, mm. but then he chose to go the route of becoming a chiropractor. Oh, wow. And I stayed, I stayed on the creative route. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's quite the departure. There was like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a fork in the road. Like he was a theater kid. He was all this kind of stuff. Um, we were very similar. We're very similar people, but he went and made money. Whereas I went <laughs> and made videos. Um, he's now engaged and just bought a house. So yeah. I don't know you tell me I'm, I have neither of those things. Hey, neither do, hey um, it's okay. Neither do I, man. And I told you on your podcast uh, that we're, we're like the same age. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but hey, if it makes um, the last thing I'll say about that is my what I keep telling myself is yeah, getting married and having kids and having a house with a fence that all seems like instant. <laughs> it's probably very fulfilling for the next two or three years, but in ten years, I think me and you will be a lot, <laughs> a lot better off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, yeah, I'm happy to. I'll talk to you in ten years when we have a reunion episode of this. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. So, but my brother was like, oh, yes. I was living with my brother at the time after this. Yeah. Uh, I, I just moved out of the house with six girls and I was living with my brother. And we're like, let's, let's just write something. So we wrote a six-part TV series. And there was a thing, a, a community channel um, in, in Melbourne called Channel 31, which I don't think exists anymore or is very close to not existing anymore, <laughs> thanks to COVID. Oh, that's, um, that's and. They had said to us, okay, yeah, you make the show by this time, you can be on actual TV. We're like, sweet. Wow. So we made this this pilot episode and then we used that episode and the footage and everything we had. So we, we got a whole bunch of really cool actors who were working for free for us um, and they honestly make the show. The The scripts were good, but the, the actors... Yeah, they brought it to life. Just <laughs> ridiculous. And actually, a couple of them were from Bendigo, um, that we grew up with. And I just want to say this as well. Bendigo is is a very creative town and there's like a very big theatre scene there and stuff. And there have been so many people who have come out of Bendigo who have gone on to do really amazing things. Mm. Like the talent that has come out of there is ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, bunch of, we got a bunch of actors on and a bunch of our uni friends decided they were going to help us film it. And, and so we made this pilot and then we crowdfunded to get more money to make the rest of the series. And then ultimately my now business partner, Dylan, came on as like a, he was like a year under us at university. He came on and would do audio. And then when Julianne moved to America, he came, he became the producer of the show. And oh. ultimately we then created Good Gravy and now we're working. Wow. So really like if I probably owe, I, I should give Deacon a bit more credit then because I probably wouldn't <laughs> be doing that, what I'm doing now if it wasn't for that. But um, yeah, it was just like we... Oh, the show was about six people going to university and living in a house together. So it wasn't yeah. like it was a big stretch from reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was just like, let's make something. We thought it was going to be on TV and then we're like, oh, it's probably too good for, I mean, we <laughs> thought it was probably too good for community television. Let's see if we can pitch it to actual television. Yeah. That went nowhere. Um, that's tough. That's a tough racket, man. Yeah. We didn't finish the show. We hadn't. We had finished two episodes. We had this massive premiere where we showed at a cinema, and like hundreds of people showed up, and they 
watched this in the cinema, watched two episodes, and everyone loved it, and it really? was incredible. Wow. And and then that was in 2015. Uh-huh. And then we're like, we all got jobs. We all got full-time jobs, and we're all working too hard, and, and it was life got in the way, and we were trying to finish the show, and we slowly and slowly were just trying to edit it, and it got put on the wayside, and it never got finished until 2019. And it, Dylan and I were like, well... We're running the business now, yeah. videography business. Let's try and finish the show just because people are giving us all this money. Yeah. Like they donated money to it to get it done. We wanted to do it for the people that donated, the crowdfunded. We wanted to do it for the people who worked for free on it, all these actors yeah. who'd worked for free. We wanted to do it for the people that, all the, the crew that worked for free. And we just wanted to finish something. And we're like, we're not going to do anything else creative for ourselves until we finish Room and Board. Nice. So we're like, we have some money now. Let's invest the money. And we invested some money in someone to come in and finish the edits. We invested somebody to do proper sound design. So there's a sound design in our friends list, um, sound design who have now worked on, have you ever seen the movie Relic? It's it's Australian. um, Yeah. They did the sound design, some of the sound design for that. Nice. It's like people that are doing really like award-winning people working on these, on these things. And we were able to finish it and then release it in January. Yeah, January in 2020, right? And we did it. We finished it. And Which is when I saw it. It's yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> oh, you watched it. That's good. Yeah. Glad someone has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like, we weren't expecting anything to come from it. Yeah. Like, we were like, we just wanted to finish it to show that we could finish that mean, and also that it was done, and we can move on from it. Yeah. It was weird releasing it and going, I don't have to think about this anymore. Yeah. Like, it's not something that's. It was always in the back of my mind that I regret not finishing this. I regret not finishing this. Um, and I mean, the quality is nowhere what we could do now in terms of visuals. Sure. Like we didn't know anything about lighting back then. We didn't know anything about how to do proper audio or anything. Yeah. But when I think about the scripts and I think about the story, the overall story and just the structure of the show, it really works, I think. Yeah, um, I agree. Um but yeah, so I mean, wow, that was a long rant about what Ruben Board was, but that no, for us was that creative fulfillment that we wanted, um, yeah, that we're probably lacking now. So it seems like you have like a sort of an unfulfilled creative itch now. But how did uh, how did Shit Dates podcast fall into the catalog? Where did Shit Dates come from? How does that fall into the picture? So I'm a straight white male in my twenties. So right, but you're I not Jewish, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not Jewish. Well, you can still have a um, podcast. I loved podcasts and I've always wanted to have a podcast, but I also don't have the ability to put any effort in yeah. to a podcast. So, um, so my brother, who the chiropractor, he has his <laughs> own podcast, yeah. um, which is called Hunting Seasons Podcast. Okay. Um, and what it is, is him and his friend, Damask, they watch a season of television each episode and then they review that season of television. That's great. That's a lot of work. Tons. If you have to watch 24 episodes of something of a 40-minute 40 40-minute 40 season, 40-minute, 40 40-minute, 40 sorry, 24 40-minute episodes yeah. of a season in one week and then review it, that's a lot of effort. That's like a ton of effort. But luckily, he's a chiropractor. He works three and a half days a week and <laughs> makes enough money in the world. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I never had the ability, I never had the, the want or the, uh, what's the word? Um 
drive, the drive to do something that like that. Yeah. I tried making a bunch of other podcasts before that. One of them was called uh, The Watch List, which mm-hmm. is a podcast where we found out a friend of mine who, Georgia, who I now do shit dates with, right. hadn't, hadn't like never seen a whole bunch of movies. And we're like, how, how have you never seen this movie? Like, how have you never seen Jurassic Park? Yeah. How have you never seen Die Hard? How have you never <laughs> seen like Star Wars? Yeah. So the the show was, let's interview her, what she knows about that show, that movie, yeah. watch the movie, and then talk to her after the movie, and we'll see her get a review on it. Great. Um, that also took work because it was like a three hour experience where we we talked and then we watched the movie and then we, yeah, it was getting people. Anyway, it was a whole thing. Yep. So then, but at the same time as all this, I was dating a lot. Yeah. Um, I like I in about in like 2016, I got out of like a very long relationship. Um, and, and that's when I found dating apps and I found like, cause they didn't really exist before I started dating this girl. I was with her for five years. So when <laughs> we started dating, Tinder wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. So in 2016, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I jump on this dating app bandwagon thing. That's pretty funny. It's like, Hey, you're single now. Get out. You have to use this. Make a profile. Yeah, exactly. This is what it is now. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. And that was okay experience, and I sort of had another two year two year relationship in between that until like 2018, and then I just went on this string of like really bad dates, and I was complaining to my friend Georgia about it, and she was also having a very similar experience, and we're like, we can't be the only people in the world that are having bad dates, right? Like, so like, fuck it, we're two young white people in Australia. <laughs> Let's make a podcast about dating, and but specifically people having bad dates and the stories. Right. And we're like, okay, and it we've now made what thirty two episodes, and we've had what's our th- we've just finished our third season, yeah, um, of the show, and it's just it is the most therapeutic thing in the world yep. listening to other people's bad dates, <laughs> and it's amazingly it's it's give me a lot more confidence going on dates. I've learned so much about the dating world and, and what is acceptable and what is like, I probably, it's pretty obvious what things aren't acceptable, right. but like, right. Um, in terms of like how to, you know, what a perfect date would look like. What's the best way of doing this? What's the best way of doing that? It's, um, it's given me a lot more confidence and I've got a lot more dates, but the problem is I've got a lot more good dates. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Well, that's good. The problem is, is that, the moment you you tell someone you're on a date with that you have a podcast called Shit Dates, yeah, they become very disingenuine, and because they don't want to end up on the show. Ah, really? <laughs> and it'd be and yeah, I found honestly that yeah. either I don't end up having second dates with people, or they just become very fake in terms of how that date then goes. Wow. I mean, you're already pretty fake on your first date, right, with somebody, right? Yeah. But like. It Those takes me years then... before I stop being fake. Years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, I, you think it's they're, they're one kind of person, and they slowly become something else. Yeah. As you start to know them. Right. Um, because they don't want to end up on shit dates. <laughs> maybe that. <laughs> maybe may, it might just be. It might. That might be my reasoning for why it keeps happening to me. But <laughs> I've been on a lot of dates recently. Nothing successful. Mm. Uh, but. I, re- I, I, I regard a response and then an invitation to talk again as success. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not really successful dates then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. 
but yeah, I've been, I've been on. Yeah, the thing is, right? Yeah, it's it's. We talk about this on the podcast, and I do, again, I don't want to. We don't want to make it a shit dates podcast, but <laughs> yeah. The thing that we talk about, and I think this is more prevalent now because of how thirsty people are for human connection, is this abundance mentality where you can go on a date with somebody, but if there's one little thing you don't like about them, mm-hmm. you go, well, there might be somebody else out there that is better. Yeah. And I have this treasure trove of people on my phone that I can just swipe between and talk to. I can talk to 20 people in a day and organize a bunch of dates or whatever. They One of those people might be the one for me, but oh, they didn't like, they don't eat meat or they don't like Back to the Future or yeah. they blah, blah, blah. And so you go, well, then they're not the person for me then. Yeah. And you try and find somebody else and then and you get this vicious cycle of just sadness. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Liam, for the bright uh, musings on life. That's 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 shit dates. Uh, <laughs> and it's and and it's a very funny show. Um, you're on Spotify and I'm on everything, everything, all of them, Stitcher, anywhere you can get, anywhere podcast. you can get a podcast. Yeah. Instagram, I was on Google Podcast the other day. Didn't even know it. Oh, you're on there? Yeah, I'm on there too. Yeah. I'm on the Google Pods. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm also, awesome. I think, everywhere, as, as many places I can be. Um, I was on your show, Tech Support. Shout yes. out, December 9th. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good episode. And, Great episode. And, episode. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good thing to reflect on now. And um, I don't know. What can I say, Liam? I, uh, I appreciate that you came on the Real People podcast. Oh, I'm happy to. I was, I was to, looking forward to it. I, I sort of <laughs> laid, when you were on our show, I was like, Oh yeah! If you ever want me on your show, please have me on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it, but uh, no, thanks, of course, thanks for having man. me. Dude. I, I, I very think you're much a it. super interesting, creative, funny uh, person. I think your your site that I didn't know about until yesterday, Good Gravy Media, is 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 incredible. I uh, I really appreciate it though, man. I hope that you'll come back on again sometime. Thanks, dude. No, yeah. please uh, have a shit date and come back on shit dates. I will. I'll try. Um, well, yeah, I'll try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for having me, dude. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 All right, folks. That was the first episode of the New Year's Real People podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Liam Gordis. Hope you found it inspiring. See you every Monday until 2037. Then I'm going to stop. Good stuff. Yeah, me too. (laughs)